crime in me. I've diagnosed some people. I think it's been pretty accurate. Definitely done my fair share of psychiatry work. I've prescribed a few pills, you know. Crime in me. We are recording now. We are recording. All right. Okay. Um, shit. Starting off on the wrong foot already. <laughs> oh, on the wrong side of the bed. Oh, on the wrong um of the bed. Um, no yeah, ums. Gonna try. We're working hard on our ums. Uh, after e- oh god, I just did it again. <laughs> after edit. <laughs> after editing our first episode, I took out maybe three million ums. So we really got to watch our um. You know. Yeah, unfortunately, you can't take out the fact that I talk like a valley girl, so that's <laughs> shitty. <laughs> yes, we should just work on deep. I know, now I'm all self-conscious. <laughs> like, okay, don't end the sentence in an up sound. Keep it down. <laughs> yeah. Not everything is a question. I can't even hear it. I can't even hear that I do it. It just sounds normal to me. Oh, God. <sighs> Yeah, well, you know, now we can work on our, we have time during the quarantine to work on our vocal patterns that are annoying. Well, I was trying to learn Spanish and Italian, but now I'm thinking I need to learn English, so. <laughs> yep, get that Duolingo English for English. <laughs> yeah, practice saying it like the robots do. <laughs> uh, I wonder what accent they do. Maybe I should do English and see how it goes. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. We've got time to learn our native language. The part when you, like, talk in, they'll probably be like, that's wrong. Try again. Like, damn it. Yeah. We couldn't understand you. (laughs) This is a statement, Uh. not a question. Shit. Oh, well. Um, Anyway, welcome. It's like a disease. Okay. Got Amidas. So, anyway, welcome. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, all one of you. Hey, Mom. mom. <laughs> hey, Mom. Thanks for listening to our podcast and making us feel like we're real podcasters. Yeah. We're celebrities to hey. Mom. <laughs> she can't wait for our next episode to come out. <laughs> Mm, she tried to get the early scoop. Yeah, she did. I'm listening for creaks at the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, welcome to Crimeany. Uh, I'm Angela, and that's Matt. And I'm Matt. And... and we are going to tell you two more fucked up tales, followed by some Crimeany sakes, silly, silly stories. And we are amateurs and everything, podcasting crime uh psychology also i forgot to mention i'm currently taking a psychology class so i feel like you're pretty qualified i'd say i'm pretty qualified it's abnormal psychology uh i think i got this we also are siblings and we started this podcast so we have something to do during the quarantine since we're both unemployed currently and have nothing else to do and we would just be reading about true crime anyway by ourselves. So why not just tell each other some fucked up story that we figured out this week? 
which is more fun this way anyway. We are sponsored by Humblebee Herbal. Herbal. (laughs) That was an awkward transition. The soap bath and body product company. Have you been washing your hands like a maniac these past couple weeks, months? However long. Are you afraid that you're gonna your hands are gonna chafe right off at the end of this month? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> well, try the soap at Humblebee Herbal. It will moisturize your hands and it won't dry them out. That's Humblebee Herbal. www.humblebeeherbal.com. Oh, right. Dot com. Disclaimer. 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 We are not qualified. In anyway. any way. <laughs> uh, so don't take our word for anything. And we're just having fun. We're not trying to um, shame anybody or make anybody feel bad. Unless you're yeah. a horrible human being and murderer. Then that's on you. Right. Then you should feel bad. You should feel really bad. <laughs> and we so. are not saying anyone with mental health issues is going to do something bad because we both obviously have we both some mental have mental health, health issues. issues so i mean so if we say you know this person we like diagnose them in quotes which yeah we're not diagnosing anyone but we're not saying that everyone with that diagnosis per se is going to be a bad person we'll do, right there are plenty exactly. of people with mental health issues majority of people with mental health issues never hurt anybody a lot of yeah. times it's directed more at ourselves. Um, right. Usually yeah. the people with mental health issues are more vulnerable to being targeted. Yes. Uh, or, yeah, like you said, do something to yourself than anyone else. So just putting that out there. But we are going to make some funnies, but they're not like, you know, to make to hurt anyone. They're not serious. Should I go first? You have to go first. Okay. So this is a case that mom told me about. (gasps) She even remembered the person's name. It didn't happen that long ago. So I'm like really excited. I told her that she couldn't tell you about it. She had to tell me about it. Oh, that's why she was really wanting to know what my case was about. Because she already knew what your case was about. Yeah. She helped me pick this one. So um, my sources are the... Davis Enterprise, which is a newspaper, I think, and the SACB and the CBS News articles. Oh, shit. So it's local. It is local. Get shit. ready. This is okay. so intense. Okay. This is the murder of Chip Northrup and Claudia Moffin. So this murder takes place in Davis in April of 2013. Holy shit. So not only is it like local, it's also pretty recent. So for those of you who don't know, oh, also, we are from Sacramento originally, so all the people who hate on it, it's not that bad, unless you're from here, and then it's awful. (laughs) Sacramento is like your little brother. You can say all the crap you want about it because you're from there, but if anyone else says anything, you're going to punch them. (laughs) I feel really oddly uh, protective of Sacramento, even though I (laughs) hate hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Only we can hate it. You can't hate it if you're not from here. Yeah, you don't know. You don't I mean, know. It's not bad <laughs> if you come for for like a very short amount of time for a very specific purpose and right. then like leave. To it's go, all right. Like for example, to go see the train that's inside a building called the train museum. Oh my god! Then. How many times have I gone with dad to the damn train, <laughs> the world famous train museum? Uh, wow. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Just, back to the know. story. Yeah. So Davis is a. Uh, 
a little college town right outside of Sacramento, as you know. It's very cute and sweet and super safe. They have a really great farmer's market. And they have like their Earth Day celebration that we used to go to all the time. That was really fun in their park. Right. Right. And so this was the first homicide in Davis since October of 2011. So it was really shocking to the community. Um, the homicide, se- the last homicide was an assisted suicide. Oh, so it wasn't shit. even like a real homicide. So Davis is pretty not used to this kind of mm. thing. Uh, the murder happened on Sunday at around 9.20 p.m., and the bodies of of Chip and Claudia were found on Monday after one of Chip's kids called in a welfare check because she hadn't heard from them all Sunday, even though their car was in their, was at their condo, and it looked like the lights were on in the house, um, and they lived off Cowell Boulevard, which is like didn't wasn't mom's school off of Cal Boulevard. Like everything's off Cal Boulevard. Anyway. <laughs> so Uh-huh. So Davis police lieutenant said that there were signs of forced entry. The neighbors in the adjoining condo 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 <laughs> condo who shared a wall said they heard quite a bit of noise around nine o'clock or so on Sunday, but other than that other than that, they didn't hear anything unusual. Mm. I'm going to talk about the victims. Oliver Chip Northrup Jr. was an 87-year-old man, and oh. Claudia Maupin was a 76-year-old woman. They oh were God. married. Yeah, they were married, and they were murdered in their home, in their condo. Just like a little old couple? Yeah. It gets worse. They bought the condo in 2004, and their neighbors said that they were just very, very lovely people. Chip and Claudia met at a... Unitarian Universalist Church of Davis and got married within the year. Wow. Either, yeah. And it was either in 96 or 98. Two articles said two different dates, but um, she oh, said. You ummed. You ummed. Ah, I'm going to um this whole time. <laughs> Stop umming. Shit. Okay. On their wedding day, their two the two families stood behind the couple and they all said, I do, we do, instead of like, Chip and Claudia saying, I do. Everyone in the family said, we do. How old were they when they got married? They were older. So okay, that's Chip what I had been married three times before, and Claudia had been married twice before. Okay, so they were like... And old, they're like, both are... already parents and grandparents. Oh, okay. So okay. their family oh. like completely supported it. That was so cute. Damn. Uh, Chip's daughter said that they were really happy together and enjoyed good books and classic movies. It's just like the classic cute couple... <sighs> And everyone who knew them said that they were kind, gentle, warm people. Claudia was a retired phone company technician, and she had three daughters of her own. Chip was nicknamed Chip because his father said that he was a chip off the old block. (laughs) Oh. He was a longtime Yolo County attorney. He had served in the U.S. Navy during World War II. Then he became an attorney after that. He was a prosecutor, then went into civil law, and after retiring, he took criminal appellate Apple defense. pellets. Apple pellet <laughs> defense work. <laughs> Where he represented prison inmates giving cases a second look. Oh, awesome. He was like a really good guy. Damn. Yeah, he really believed in protecting people's rights. Damn. Um, in 2011, Chip represented a teacher's assistant 
at UC Davis who was arrested on suspicion of terrorist threats after using the word bomb in an undergraduate drama class. Oh, my God. And then after he took the case, or so the Yolo County District Attorney's Office declined to pursue the case and Chip successfully petitioned to get the arrest record sealed and destroyed. Hmm. Wow. So he was a really, he was a good attorney, actually. Yeah, sounds like it. He was... Also, the found a founding member and lead singer and guitarist for the local folk band Puta Creek Crawdads, <laughs> which unfortunately <laughs> is the name of the creek. <laughs> Puta Creek Crawdads. Yeah, they formed in 1965. Wow. Played family-friendly bluegrass, gospel, and Celtic music. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so they're just yes. like this, like well-rounded, adorable couple. Just like the best Fuck. people ever. They're Great. just like genuinely good people. And now we're I know. about no, to it's, murder. It him. gets so much worse. It gets so much worse. So his bandmates said that they saw him on Saturday where he played at the farmer's market, which I love that farmer's market. It's so oh, good. Oh shit. But he yeah, he missed two gigs on Sunday, which was really out of character for him. And their newspaper was still in their driveway and no one answered the door and multiple calls to their home and cell phones when people tried to get a hold of them because it was really not like them. Right. Police said that the couple... Okay, so when the police did get in... This is bad. Police said the couple had been stabbed multiple times. Chip had 61 stab wounds. Holy and shit. And Claudia had 67. It's overkill. This is worse. The murderer had also experimented with their bodies. What? He had put a cell phone in Claudia's abdomen and a drinking glass in Chip's stomach. What? What the fuck? Yeah. Yolo County, California, Yolo County, California DA, Jeff Riesig, 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 said it was the most horrific, depraved murder I have seen as the district attorney in this county. I was certain they were going to find someone, some forensic evidence in the crime scene, a fingerprint, DNA, shoe print, something, and they found nothing. What? Not even on the glass that was inside of him? Nothing. The home was not ransacked, and there were no valuables missing, so clearly it wasn't a burglary. No, it and seemed like whole... it was a targeted thing. If they're getting stabbed that many times, someone has a right. beef against them. So there was a hole in a screen in a window in the back of the home. Hmm. So the police thought that either either that was the entry or someone staged it. Uh, the police brought in 25 FBI agents and task force officers from other areas. So they thought it had been someone close to the family because it seemed so personal. So at this point, do you want to try and like do any profiling or... Well, yeah, it definitely seemed personal. It seems like the person they whoever killed them, like I said, had some kind of grudge against them because of the like crazy amount of times that they got stabbed. Hmm. I don't know. Like someone obviously with some kind of mental <laughs> problems. Right. So you think it seems personal because of the overkill, but then also not because the person like clearly has something going on yeah huh continue okay i'll move on okay so so the police thought it was someone in the family um they oh like keep doing it they seriously question everyone one of chip's grandsons has schizophrenia and he and his family lived in davis so it wasn't Hmm. far from the couple the police questioned the grandson for eight hours one day and the next day for six hours 
That's too much. <laughs> he was questioned without a lawyer, and he fully cooperated. Oh, His aunt said they that their family was not violent at all, and there's no way that they could have turned violent around Chip and Claudia. The police were so hard on Chip's son and two grandsons that three years later, one of the grandsons committed suicide because his reputation was destroyed. Wow. So they made it, I think they made it pretty clear that they were suspects and they just went so hard on them that his grandson like couldn't, couldn't take it yeah, anymore. I mean, that's a lot of, I can't, I can't even imagine that amount of pressure and people looking at you like, Oh, you're the one that did it. Why are you out on the streets? Especially in Davis, which is so small and yeah. everybody knows everything about yeah. everyone. Yeah. I just can't even imagine. So this is where it gets crazy. Okay, so remember, there's no, there's no DNA evidence. There's no evidence at all. They really have no idea who did this. Right. And they're kind of, they brought in like everyone they could, and they're just kind of like, well, like where do we go from here? We interviewed the only, we interrogated the only people that we could. There's nothing to go off of. Right. So after they interrogated the entire family, two months after the murders, on April fourteenth, two thousand thirteen, police got a tip. I'm going to read you the 911 call. Okay. 911 operator. Davis Police Emergency. Then this anonymous person. Oh, yeah. Can this be anonymous? Operator. What are you reporting? Anonymous tipster. Oh, uh, double homicide? The reason I want to remain anonymous is because if my mom finds out, she'll send me to military school. Operator. What are you calling? Or I guess I guess the operator switched over to a police officer. So he said, what are you calling to report, sir? And the kid said, um, the double homicide that happened in April this year. Corporal Allen, the police officer. What can you tell me about that? An honest tipster. Everything, actually. What the fuck? So a 17-year-old Davis High School student called to say he knew who had killed that couple. Uh-huh. It was his best friend. Oh. The kid said, Daniel Marsh. And Corporal Allen said, Daniel Marsh? And the kid said, yeah, Daniel Marsh or Dan Marsh. So this is where it gets, like, crazy. The teenager made a call saying his best friend, Daniel Marsh, had bragged about the murders. They believed him and even suspected him at first because he knew so much about the crime. He said that he was afraid to come forward at first, but ended up calling the police because, because his friend had talked about killing again. Oh, no. Marsh was... 15 when in the pre-dawn hours of April 14th, 2013, he dressed in black, donned a shoplifted ski mask, grabbed a hunting knife and set out into the dark, breaking into the home of Chip what and Claudia. Marsh stabbed the pair in their bedroom as they awakened and tortured, then mutilated the couple in a crime so savage that jurors at his murder trial were moved to tears and the prosecutor called it the most heinous crime that they had ever what seen. What the fuck? His friend said he cut both of them open and and oh, cut both of them open just to see the inside or something. And then he went to the woman, I think, and he wanted to know what an eye looked like. So he tried to take it out with a knife, but he said it was really hard, so he couldn't do it. Ugh! Like what? Ugh! Okay, so on June 17th, 2013, investigators asked the high school resource officer to bring Daniel Marsh in for questioning, and he seemed more than happy to talk. 
He probably figured he could talk his way through it. Oh, my God. He's 15. He's 15. Okay, so now let's talk about Daniel Marsh. At 10 years old, Daniel was given an American Red Cross Heroes Award after using CPR to save his father from a heart attack. What? So his father his father was driving, I think, and then he started having a heart attack, and then Daniel gave him CPR and saved his life. His father lived next door to Claudia and Chip, and Daniel lived at his mother's house, but that was within walking distance. That's why his father said that he got the house that he got, because it was so close to Daniel's mom's house. Daniel is a self-proclaimed loner and outcast. He said that his mom had basically abandoned the family for three or four months. So apparently his mom ended the marriage after having an affair with Daniel's kindergarten teacher. And he hated the woman that he blamed for ending his parents' marriage. But it's like if his mom, you know, was into women, it was going to end at some point, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of a deal breaker if you're not, not into the same... You know, uh, but that, that's, yeah. that's fucking crazy. So, okay, c- continue. Okay, so he he said that he wanted to strangle the teacher to death, uh, and he self harmed. And he said he was doing he was willing to do anything just to feel something. He ended up starving himself and voluntarily entering into a twenty five day eating disorder clinic. Hmm. So this is like starting around. T- no, not 10 years old. I don't know when his mom, I mean, if his mom left for the kindergarten teacher. Right. I don't know when that happened, but sounds like he's had these unhealthy ideas for quite some time. Right. Yeah. Like he's, he seems like he's, I mean, all of this is really upsetting to him. So it almost, it almost seems like he feels that all this is like against him. Right. So I don't think, I don't think it was necessarily his mom leaving the family that kind of, that like tipped it off it sounds like he kind of had this within him this like persecution right. complex kind of thing persecute exactly exactly so when he was around 14 he would talk about suicide a lot with his friends and he said that he tried to kill himself four times which is really sad that you're so unwell that you actually try and kill yourself uh he saw several therapists and doctors he got on medications and then in December 2012, he told a school counselor that he fantasized about killing people. So, of course, she reported it, and police came to the school, and then Daniel was hospitalized for a short time. But that didn't really work so well. So, when the police brought him in to question him about the murder of Chip and Claudia, after about three and a half hours of interrogation, so he was, like, all cool and calm and thought that he could you know, talk his way out of it. Uh Um, But after three and a half hours, his facade began to crumble. So after that, he told the police that they should send him to a psychiatric hospital so they didn't ruin his life. But it's like, you ruined your own life. Uh, He told police that every time he looked at people, he would see flashes of images of him killing them. Oh, shit. He said that when he was 10, he thought about and plotted how to kill the woman that his mother left his father for. And he said that he had planned on slitting her throat. Shit. So he's just homicidal from di- from go. Yeah. Can you imagine like a little 10-year-old? Ew. Ew. <laughs> Ew, <no>. uh, <laughs> so he eventually got obsessed with gore porn. Oh, no. And his best friend. Yeah. 
the the beauty of the internet you have access to at everything. that age yeah great uh-huh that's not yeah. gonna fuck you up yeah, even really more healthy uh-huh. no uh-huh. not at all okay. his best friend also said that he oh this is so bad his well it's all really bad <laughs> <laughs> that he saw him strangle a cat oh fuck it's always it's a always cat a why cat. is it always a cat cats are the coolest they didn't do anything wrong <sighs> Okay, uh, Okay. so Daniel said that on the night of the murder, he just had to kill someone. Okay. So he saw that the living room window was open, and he cut a hole in the screen and climbed in, and then he went into their bedroom. So it was just complete chance that he chose Fuck. them. And that they lived so close. So he had probably, like, seen them in the neighborhood then. Like, he knew, he probably knew who lived there. It was just that they had their window open. Well, I don't. I don't know if he knew. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, keep saying um. So he opened the he opened their he like walked down the hall and found their bedroom and he opened the door and then he stood over their bed and he said that he watched them sleep for a few minutes. What a fucking creep! Ugh, it's so unnerving. It's mm-hmm. so gross. Then he said that he was nervous and excited. Uh-huh. Ugh, he's the worst. He's the worst. Okay. Then without showing any emotion, he described to the police officers how he had stabbed the innocent couple repeatedly. He said that it was all part of his plan to confuse investigators and get away with murder. He also taped the bottom of his shoes so he wouldn't leave prints and wore a ski mask and gloves Uh. so that he wouldn't leave any DNA behind or fingerprints behind. But hidden... By Daniel in his mother's house, investigators found all the evidence they needed. They found his bloody clothing and the knife used to kill Chip and Claudia. He said that he kept the knife as a souvenir. Oh, nice souvenir. Yeah. He said that it felt amazing to murder people. And he actually started doing better in school and was named student of the month after he had killed people the next month. He was student of the month. He just needs a, a kill or two, and then he'll exceed and, and and make good grades. Yeah, that's all you need to be a student of the month is to murder people every month. <laughs> I mean, is that so much to ask? <laughs> that's fucking insane. Yeah, so, no, like, this kid is messed I wonder up if like, I wonder if, like, okay, so since 10, basically, murder has preoccupied his mind. Yes. Then he does this. Like, for five years, basically, he's just been plotting and planning about how he could murder someone. And yeah. then he finally, like, releases it all when he does it. And now his mind isn't cl- clouded with all these plans, so then he can focus on school? Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. But, as you okay. know, with serial killers, then you have to kill again. Right. And then it becomes well, a shorter and shorter amount of time. That I mean, because those... it's a drug, so then you got to feel that release again. You got to go get it. Now but that you he, know what okay. it feels like. He was 15 years old and uh-huh. left behind no DNA, nothing. Right. He would have well, gotten for, away with it. For five years, he was plotting, like, what he's probably, you know, watching forensic files and reading about all the different ways mm-hmm. that people are getting caught. So he's like, doesn't seem like he's stupid, but he's a 15 year old kid and can't keep his mouth shut. Yeah, of course not. So, so he, he told police that he, how he had, like, plotted to kill his next victim. And he started lurking around the streets at night with a baseball bat uh, so that he could, like, beat someone to death if he just ran into them. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, Tiny Davis, 
a college town, people walking around at night because it's safe. And then you just like walk down the wrong street and there's this 15 year old kid with a baseball bat ready to beat you up. Dude, like, and, like what that's the fuck? when mom was teaching in Davis. <laughs> well, yeah, luckily she didn't live there. No, I know, but could you imagine if she had to like stay late or whatever for Ew. like parent meetings and then had to like get in her car? Like, that's hella creepy. That's so creepy. And then, of course, he said that he felt no sympathy or empathy for others, obviously. Well, yeah, he he feels that everyone's against him, that he, like you said, he's got the, uh, what'd you say? Persecution the Persecution complex. complex, exactly. Like, every everyone's against him. So, he was arrested and charged with murder. Fuck. And because of the nature of the crime, even though he was just 15 years old, he was charged as an adult. Oh, yeah. He had two top public defenders and then he pled no, not guilty by reason of insanity <laughs> which that one's like a tricky one because yeah. you know he clearly is out of his mind mm-hmm. but he also knows that it's wrong to kill people you know yeah he like wasn't in a psychotic episode like he wasn't having a psychotic episode uh the special agent who interrogated him wanted him to be found sane right so he asked he kept asking daniel if he had ever heard voices talk to him and daniel kept saying no right even the psychiatrist hired by the defense said that he was sane enough even though daniel had threatened to kill him oh <laughs> so daniel threatened to kill the psychiatrist oh. when they met i mean also that's like a good that's a good addition to your insanity plea where you're like this kid threatened to kill me i think he is a little insane (laughs) but the psychiatrist said that he was he wasn't insane but just really mentally ill Mm -hmm. um but still responsible for his crime i mean he he was a star student for a month if he can get good grades for a month he's not that insane (laughs) (laughs) uh so after that the defense tried for insanity and they just didn't use the psychiatrist who was like, no, no, he's sane. He is mentally ill, but he's sane. Right, because that's, that's not what they wanted. They wanted... Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and a counselor testified during the trial that Daniel had daydreamed of torture. A state psychologist testified that Marsh studied serial killers. He searched the website. He searched websites with images of beheadings and disembowelment in the weeks before the killing. Oh, <laughs> totally so normal. Totally normal. Lovely teenage boy looking at disembowelments. Totally just basic internet searches. Just you know your <sighs> average everyday. I can't. I cannot even imagine. Oh God, yeah. Instead, the defense argued that the antidepressant Zoloft that Daniel was given for anorexia and suicide attempts caused temporary insanity. Oh, interesting. Although when you look at his medical record, it's pretty clear that he had these thoughts before he was even prescribed Zoloft. Right. So it wasn't the Zoloft. That'd be great for their commercials. May cause insanity (laughs) that leads to murder. Yeah. You may just break into your neighbor's home and stab a bunch of people and then stick things in their abdomens. Zoloft. Zoloft. You want to pull out your neighbor's eye. <laughs> oh my god, how awful is that? But, it's disturbing. Chills. Mm-hmm. Chills, chills, chills. So, on September 26, 2014, the jury deliberated for just under two hours before they found him guilty of first-degree murder, and he was found sane. He was sentenced to 52 years to life. The judge detailed the horrors in chillingly simple in chillingly simple terms as he sentenced March to the maximum of 25 years to life plus an extra year for the use of the knife 
one term for each of the killings of Oliver, Chip, Northrup, and Claudia Maupin. So we got 25 mm-hmm. years for Chip plus a year for the knife, and then 25 years for Claudia plus a year for the knife. So Okay. For a total of 52 years to life. Huh. He was remounded. Remounded. <laughs> he was remounded. <laughs> remanded to Yolo County Juvenile Custody. And he was going to be sent to state prison when he turned 18. So I read, I read one of the, the Davis article before he was even caught. Yeah. It was really crazy because they were just like, they did a little thing about the couple and just like how wonderful they were and how the family is just like concerned and how everyone's worried and afraid because they didn't know who could do something like right. this. Oh. God, yeah. Ugh. Okay, but it's not over yet. Oh, shit. Two years later, after he was sentenced, California passed Prop 57 that says because Daniel was a juvenile at the time of the murder, he should have been tried by a juvenile court judge. So he could potentially be released at 25 years old, which would be mm. serving 10 years or less yeah. for a heinous double murder. So so then a judge had to listen to the evidence and decide if he should have been tried as a juvenile. And if so, yeah. then he would be released at 25. Right. So in a few years, he could have been completely freed with no supervision, no parole, just out and about. Free. Just fine. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Before, this is, this is crazy too. Before the hearing date was set, he did a TED talk. Oh. A TED Talk appeared From jail? online where he claimed that he was reformed and deserved a second chance. The oh. talk was called Hurt People, Hurt People. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's really catchy, though. Hurt People, Hurt People. Uh, it was part of a prison rehabilitation program. And he claimed that as a child, he was sexually abused multiple times by two different people. But he wouldn't say who abused him, and he never told anyone about it, not even his best friend, who he confessed to murdering people to. Right. And he was repeatedly asked about trauma and abuse when they were questioning him, but he denied it every time. And I'm sure he was asked about it when he went to see his counselors and all of that. But his father believes that he wouldn't say it if it wasn't true and stands by him. At first, I was like, well, if he's telling his best friend about murder, like, obviously, he would tell him about this. But I don't think so, because in... In his case, like when he's murdering someone, he's in control. That's his situation he's in control of. But if he's being like sexually abused or whatever, mm. like I'm sure he just wants to put that in the back of his mind and not like that. You know, that was a time when he was not in control and probably feels a lot of shame towards it and doesn't want to even tell anyone. So I might believe that. I mean, it seemed like he was lashing out. Yeah, that's a good point. So I'm torn because, you know, you should always believe a survivor. Yeah. Because, you know, for all the really important reasons that I'm not going to go through right now. Um, at the same time, he's so psychopathic that he could just be saying anything to get sympathy. You know, he knows what to say to get out of trouble. Sure. So he could just be saying anything just to be like, right. oh, you know, I was abused. first Because first it was he was blaming, blaming his mom and the, the kindergarten teacher. Like, that, those were the first people he blamed. And that didn't work. So now he's blaming sexual assault. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who to believe in this situation because he just seems so he just seems so psychopathic. He could just be completely psychopathic and that could just be it. 
Um, but or it could be that he was being sexually abused before 10 and then 10s when he started lashing out. And it just seems like such a response. Like he, he felt so much pain that he had to give pain. So why is he feeling like that? Not because his mom is cheating on his dad with his kindergarten teacher. I mean, maybe, but that seems like an overkill. Yeah. Well, it just it just goes to like nature versus nurture. Some people maybe are just born bad. I mean, look at some of the serial killers that had like a perfectly all right upbringing and they still tortured people. No, it's true. There's definitely it, it's hard to say, but that's that's why we are the experts on speculation. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not sure I should speculate on this. I just I just don't know. Not that being abused would ever, ever excuse this. Like, this is no. such an extreme no, reaction. No. We're not looking for excuses. We're just looking for maybe reasons that something sparked it or, you know, external factors that unless it is just nature. Yeah, who knows? So anyway, uh, one of the granddaughters of Chip and Claudia was really upset by the fact this video was on. So then she got it taken down 48 hours after it was put up. So his case went to a family court judge and the judge was going to have to decide whether to keep the original sentence or release him. At that point, he would be released in four years. Mm -hmm. His defense attorney said that the court would be shocked by the changes that Daniel had made in such a short amount of time. Well, you know, he was a fucking... In just like five star years, student. Totally he's a star student. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first psychiatrist who Daniel had threatened said that Daniel had changed. Then Daniel took the stand. Oh boy. Which I feel like that's just like such classic, classic serial killer behavior. Just to be like, I'm smarter than all of you. I can explain it all away. So Daniel said that he was really damaged and sick and that he no longer struggled with mental illness, which mental illness doesn't go away like that. Right. What, you're suddenly cured of all your mental illnesses? Or does he mean that he's, like, medicated, so he's... Well, he said that he had worked through his anger and hate. Okay. Yeah, and then he apologized to the victim's family. Uh, it's okay though. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry. I I'm. So you know what I mean. It seems like he's just saying whatever he can to get out of it. Well, and when you said that he took the stand, like uh, that kind of puts him in the narcissistic category, where he just thinks that he's so much smarter than everybody that he can fool everybody, and he know he knows what to say, like the right things to say. Mm-hmm. So the prosecution called a forensic psychologist, Matthew Logan, who is an expert on psychopaths. Which, hey, Whoa. what a fun job, but also super creepy and unnerving. Cool. <laughs> he said that some of the traits of a psychopath are glib, uh-huh. superficial charm, mm-hmm. check, mm-hmm. pathological lying, check, 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 lack of responsibility, check, 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 and the inability to feel remorse, check. He hits all the marks. So Logan didn't meet Daniel, but he did look at his medical records and thought that he was a psychopath. After his conviction, Daniel scored a 35.8 out of 40 on a psychopathy (laughs) checklist, which was one of the highest scores that Logan had ever seen. I bet he was proud that he tested high. 
<laughs> at like he's, 15 he, yeah he's can stay in that uh superior student category he's getting good he's mm-hmm. getting high marks <laughs> so he said that he thought it was more likely than not that daniel would kill again yeah. and his testimony did nothing to convince him otherwise yeah so he saw right through it because he's been working with psychopaths for a long time and is an expert and was like this dude's fucking lying yep so dr logan said i've interviewed hundreds of psychopaths and they've all seen the light which is like really funny. And one of the things that is very typical of the psychopath is that ability to con and manipulate. Yeah. So yeah. How many times has some like a psychopath been like, Oh no, like I know I, I cured my mental illness and I like worked through the hate and I've seen the light and I know I did wrong when it's like, you're just saying shit. Right. But they're so convincing that people want to believe them. I would assume it's that charm. Yeah. So on October 24th, 2018, the two-week hearing came to an end. What do you think the judge said? That they're withholding the the sentencing, or I mean, not withholding. That they're holding up the uphold. Excuse me. That they are up the original sentence. The original sentence. So the judge said, "Marsh is coping well with being incarcerated. He is not exhibiting the signs of a serious mental illness." Hmm. He said that he found the testimony of Marsh to be credible, but in the end concluded that Marsh's release just wasn't a chance worth taking. Yeah, good call. So his original sentence would stand. Now it goes on. Uh Uh-oh. In September 2018, California Governor Jerry Brown signed a new law known as SB 1391, Uh which makes it impossible to ever try a 15-year-old offender as an adult, Uh. even one like Daniel Marsh. So his lawyers have vowed to do what they can to have Daniel retroactively included under that new law. If he is included, then he'll be eligible for release at 25. And every two years after that, the state will have to argue to keep him in prison. (sighs) Which it's like, yeah, I understand that teenagers, their brains aren't fully formed and all that. And he's clearly a psychopath. He will clearly kill again. Yeah. What do you do with people like that? You can't just spank them and then put them and send them out and expect that they're going to change. They're just At 25, gonna, they're just gonna learn it's like, to, oh, you're fine now. Right. They're just going to learn how to, like, manipulate even more, and it's going to be, like, more subtle. Right. So he's super dangerous. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want him walking around anywhere where I live. Like, no. Fuck no. Fuck no. So terrible. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg a scrambled egg so a tossed salad is someone who clearly knows right from wrong and chooses to do wrong anyway right so the tossed salad has more components the person is able to compartmentalize and a scrambled egg is someone who can't tell right from wrong and they're just completely scrambled. Just one component, one track mind. They're all kinds of mixed up. There's no focus. They're disorganized. So, toss salad, scrambled egg. What are you thinking? I'm going toss salad with a touch of a, maybe it maybe like a <laughs> slice of deviled egg inside. <laughs> Partially scrambled. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because he was diagnosed as a psychopath. Right. Like he's clearly. 
Yeah, so he has the mental illness, but I don't think that he's like a scrambled egg to the fact that he doesn't know what he's doing and he's like disorganized at all. But I think maybe he's got a bit of a scrambled egg, just that, like, I mean, his way of thinking. Well, yeah, like any psychopath where you're the only one that matters. Everyone else is just a pawn in your little game and you get to dictate how life is going to go for everybody. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Wasn't that crazy? What do you think? Tossed salad or scrambled egg? I I also agree where it's like a tossed, I think he's like a tossed salad because he clearly, I mean. With maybe like an egg. I feel like any. (laughs) An egg based dressing. (laughs) Ew. Ew. What what is that? I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard of an egg based dressing. That sounds awful. <laughs> Sorry. No, it'd be like a cob salad. Oh, oh yeah, okay, a cob salad <laughs> with a hard boiled. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe he's hard boiled. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, shoot, I forgot the question. Is he a tossed salad or a scrambled egg? No. What was I saying before that? You said he was a bit of a salad, but that. No, it wouldn't have to do with that. Maybe. Anyway. Anyway. He's a psychopath. This one. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Okay. So he's a psychopath. Oh shit! No, I lost it. <laughs> Sorry. I know, I was, like, right on the edge. Yeah. He's a psychopath. Oh, he's a psychopath, so he could choose not... He has control over his own actions. Exactly, yeah, totally. So maybe he's, like, a toss salad, because he could control not killing people. I'm sure not all psychopaths kill people. No, I think a lot of them... But he chose to be so gruesome about it. A lot of people that are, quote-unquote, psychopaths or whatever, they just do really well in business because they're ruthless and they can talk their way well, into sociopaths. anything. sociopaths. Right, that's what, sorry. Sociopaths yeah. are Sociopaths, really yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, I think a lot of CEOs are soci- sociopaths. 100%. So, <laughs> so not also, all of them are in prison. Some of them are succeeding. Okay, but Ooh. isn't, I had, I had not heard of that one. I had not either, and that's pretty recent. And it's just, it's just so crazy. And, Oh my god, Chip and Claudia just sounded like the best parents and grandparents and just so cute and sweet and <sighs> it's awful. It's very sad. It's super sad. The more I read about them, because I wanted to like give their background because I thought that they were the ones that are like important in right, all this. Right. So I was like looking in the first couple articles, they're like Chip, who was like an attorney and like well liked and was in this band, and his wife Claudia. And I was like, no, I want more information on Claudia. And then I got more information on her and it was like, she was so warm and loving and anyone who met her, like they were instantly drawn in by her because she was like everyone's friend and she was so sweet. And And what's kind of ironic too is um, Chip would have probably been someone that would have represented this douchebag in court. Yeah, he would have given him a second look maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, oh, he's not mentally fit to be in prison. Like he needs help instead of prison sentence yeah they were just like they were just like such a good little sweet couple else that one of claudia i think it was claudia's children said that she had moved to davis because it was so safe oh my god i know it's fucked up i know it's so fucked up so even the sweet little <sighs> cute college towns have heinous murderers mm-hmm. but then it's like why did he even save his dad's life i don't know it seems like he had a lot of animosity towards his mom for doing all the cheating and stuff, so maybe he felt closer to his dad or something. But then he, like, lived with his mother. Well, he doesn't get to choose who he lives with. I guess. 
I guess not. Ugh. Not if he's a child. <sighs> anyway. Wow. Yeah. Good story. Yeah. Was it was awful. <laughs> it was awful. It was horrible. It was great. Yeah. And then on one of the on one of the news sites, I think it was the CBS one, they had like a video where they had interviewed him or something. I didn't watch it because I don't want to give him any attention. Yeah. Because gross. gross. But I was just like, how are you guys still I don't know. How are you still giving him attention? Unless it's like this guy might get out, beware. Right. Yeah. Write a letter if you don't want him in your neighborhood, because I sure as hell wouldn't. Yeah, get them the fuck out. Yeah. Lock him up. Throw away the key. He's bad egg. He is a bad, hard-boiled egg. Yep. Due to technical difficulties, portions of this recording have been lost at sea. Okay, so I think we should tell our entire audience of Mom that now the first time, I was kind of excited that Angela messed exactly. I was like, ha, little sis. So then we recorded it a second time, and mine didn't record. <laughs> so now that we're even, I have to tell this story a third time, and we get to see how good of actors we are. So I'm going to tell you this story that you've never heard before. All right. The year was 18. I mean, God damn it. <laughs> The year was 1987 in Townsend, Massachusetts. All right, so picture this. One day, you, your sister, and dad are at home, and the phone rings. Ring, 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 ring. And you and your sister answer it, and there's a teenage boy's voice on the other line. Now, did I just mention you guys were teenage girls? So, you're super excited. This teenage boy has called you and your sister, and he wants to talk to you guys. I'm sure that, like, it was a weird thing, because also they, he didn't really give them a straight answer of where he got the phone number from. And so the sisters are named Annie and Jessica, and they talked to him, and I guess, like, they made a few phone calls back and forth, and Annie ended up being a little interested in talking to him, at least more so than Jessica. This, this kid who introduced himself as Daniel LaPlante, he asked her out on a date one day, and she said, sure, why not? I'm pretty sure that Daniel may have been one of the <laughs> earliest examples of a catfish. Modern catfishing. Right? You never carry catfish <laughs> where they're using modern technology. Right. Or the... Not like telegram that, um, catfishing, but like telephone isn't that a telegram? No, a telegram is like uh... telegraph. Is it a telegraph? Telegram. <laughs> Morse code. Is Morse it? code. <laughs> right, but I thought that they got it when they're like, dee, 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 and they're like, so and so, so and so, stop. Da, 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 stop. I thought that the telegram da, 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 part da. was them reading it aloud. Because <laughs> like singing telegram, they don't go to the door and they don't go like. Dee, 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 dee. Uh, I don't know. I think the, the actual note is the telegram. Well, obviously we're experts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like if you get like a candy gram, the candy is the gram. <laughs> right? Uh, anyway. 
Okay. He was he was a catfish, because he wasn't at all what he described. He described himself basically as a Ken doll. Oh. Yes. Athletic, chiseled body with blonde hair and tall. Looking, Looking at, at you, Ken. Ken. Also, how <laughs> awkward is that to be like, oh, this is what I look like. I'm 5'9", 300 pounds. Yeah. I like pool and I gamble. Oh, okay. Going to say no not- to that. <laughs> oh, sorry, Chad. You're not invited to go on this date. So, but he wasn't. He wasn't like he wasn't a Ken doll at all. When when he got to the door, was not a Ken doll at all. Not a Ken doll at all. Hashtag not a Ken doll at all. Oh, <laughs> still not sure what hashtag. But he wasn't exactly what he described. He was greasy. He was short and scrawny and just you know not bathed, and he had acne and brown hair and he wasn't well kept but oh god no not brown hair i know the worst brown acne. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so i'm just assuming that he smelled a bit and was real greasy right which is the worst part right. you know and that he that i mean that's like himself. the old <laughs> that's the worst part the brown hair and the acne is bad, bad but, but it's not the worst, the part. worst part is the grease <laughs> I mean, welcome to my teenage years. Ugh. But you know what? Annie was too nice. Mm. She was a typical teenager. She was a sweetheart. Who hadn't set her boundaries yet or figured out yeah. how to say no. So she right. continued on with the date. And we, I mean, I would have too. Yeah, it's hard when you're that age when you think someone likes you and you're like, oh, go on a date. Even if they misrepresented themselves, especially if they've been talking on the phone and maybe they connected. In a weird other way. Yeah, like emotionally or... Yeah, you can like someone's personality over the phone. Yeah. I feel like even in my early 20s, I would have like been like, well, you know, he's like... He made it all this way. Self-conscious. And he's worried that I wouldn't talk to him unless he thought that he looked a certain way. And yeah, you can make all the excuses. Yeah. And I'm sure I have made all the excuses in the world before. Oh yeah, me too, for sure. Haven't we all? (sighs) Oh... Anyway, (laughs) they went to some fair or an ice cream shop. It's not really clear, but they went somewhere and she put up with him for a bit, but then politely excused herself, made up some excuse that she had to get home early and left. Well, see, that's pretty skillful. That's nice. Yeah. Give him a little bit like, oh, you know, I'm not trying to put you off, but also, but also she told her sister that he was really strange and overly obsessed with their mother's passing and their mom had died um, recently um, um, something brought it up and she told him about it and he was like so weirdly obsessed he was asking her how she felt the moment she learned her mother died and he wanted to know if the mother had suffered yeah, that's during that too time much. which is like, like way too much pretty much an average date I'd say you're like mm, yeah, this ice cream is so mm. so worth so it. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> ooh, I love this this praline ice cream. So about your mother. First of all, I don't know a teenager who get praline. <laughs> I'm assuming. Well, you know, it's back in the fifties. She's not like not a sixty-eight-year-old really. <laughs> southern woman. 
I don't know. For some reason, it was the only ice cream I could think of. I was really trying that's to think funny, of That's funny, because I totally think of pistachio. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my favorite, but, you know. <sighs> well, needless to say, Annie did not give him a call back for that date number two. Oh, no. She was like, mm-mm. No, that's way too much. Honestly. And her sister ever. was like, I was going to say on a first date, but <laughs> ever. that's not acceptable ever. Ever. Right. So... Then they forget about it. I mean, I'm sure they don't forget about it, but mm-hmm. they put it in the back of their mind. It's just let a it weird, go. Just a weird go. date, you know, all those awkward, weird dates everyone goes on. We've all had a weird kind of interaction. All right. Okay. So a month goes by. They kind of put it in the back of their mind and they decide that they wanted to try and contact their mother. They wanted to perform a seance or something to get get the mother to speak from the dead yes and which good idea great idea I'm hopefully all about it. it was a good execution because as we right. all know yes. if you do it wrong you yeah. invite demons or naughty ghosts in things atta- entities attached Ent- to you entities attached <laughs> so you gotta open that circle close that circle open it up close it down shut it down sage the fuck out of that room sage the fuck for some reason i thought you were gonna say save as <laughs> okay i don't okay. know why i don't know why i don't know why anyway uh, they perform their seance And it's all, like, spooky. And when they get to the part where they ask the mother questions, they start getting responses back. This is just so tragic. So they're in their room doing a seance, being like, Mother, if you can hear us, let us know. And they hear... (gasps) It's just so sad. And... They're like, oh my god! So they start asking questions, and the and the questions get answered in the form of knocks. They're so excited, but as the days go by, they think maybe it's not their mom, and maybe it's a demon that they let in the room because there was constantly noise in the house, and they couldn't locate where the sounds were coming from. Things were going missing. Items from one room would be found in another room. Furniture so was being creepy. moved around. Yeah, like, I'm assuming the furniture was being moved around when the girls were at school and the dad was at work and they'd come home and, like, the couch would be on the other side of the room. Their bed would be turned around. Like, like Well, and it's not, even, it's not even stuff where you can be like, oh, because I've, like, moved something from one place to another and then it's kind of creepy until you're like, oh, yeah, I moved that there, like, whatever uh-huh. reason. But he's, like, drastically, like, moving stuff yeah. around where you're like, I definitely didn't do that. He's letting them know someone's oh, fucking around God. with their shit. But unlike your reaction, the dad kind of believed that the daughters might have been doing some kind of pranks because they were having a hard time coping with the death of their mom. And one night in January of 1987, I was born. And everything. Glorious birth. Everything has been fabulous ever since. And that was the end of all crime. The end. Oh, congratulations. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> now one night in january of 87 the girls were home alone when they heard tapping noises start up Ugh, this is so awful but this time instead of hearing them from the walls they heard them coming from the basement 
So doing what any teenage girl would do in a situation like that, they fucking armed themselves with knives and walked down the basement stairs. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, that's just like, whoa. Whoa. But it's like, okay, if their dad's not believing them, yeah. What are they going to do? You know, gotta catch it's like, something. well, we got to solve this That's ourselves. True. We got to go true. figure this out. And whatever's down here, got to prove, gonna, like, prove to him that it's something and it's not us. But really, like, what were they going to do? Stab the ghost. Yeah. Stir it uh, up. <laughs> Dissipate that mist. <laughs> Stir it up. Yeah. No, that's just, ugh. Well, and, oh. Because if they had, like, left and called the police. Then with the police treated them like their dad, and they were just like, stop making stuff yeah. up. Yeah, they're know? just teenage girls being silly. I mean, how many yeah. teenage people are quote unquote runaways? Right. Uh, <laughs> so what were they gonna do? Right, and there's like no real crime that they can like figure out other than the girls probably just fucking around. Just like we hear tapping. Ugh, yep. This is yep. awful. So they get down to the basement steps. The scariest place in the any scariest house. Scariest place. The, the basement steps. Guts of the house. You want to know what they saw when they got down the basement steps? Yes, please. Okay. They saw, written on the wall in what (sighs) looked like blood, a message that read, I'm in your room. Come find me. No. So the girls ran screaming "Ah!" to the neighbor's house. Smart move. Smart move. What they should have done. At least they didn't go to the room. Yeah. Big mistake. So, you know, the neighbors take them in. They waited for their dad to get home. Dad gets home. This is so traumatizing for them. Yes, they're traumatized. The neighbors are like, oh, my God, something horrible happened. These girls are Like, clearly someone is in the house to be able to write something on the wall. The dad gets home, (sighs) and he still thinks that the girls are the ones responsible for the mess and that they're struggling, that they're still struggling with the death of their mother. So he decides, which, finally, to get them counseling. Yeah. Um, which, you know, probably should have done whenever the mom died. Yeah, well, but could be helpful. Who knows? Maybe they didn't have the means to do it. Healthcare in America is the best. The best. The best. It's so I easy love to get psychological help. Just not getting help. It's great. I love it. Anyway, several weeks later, another incident happened in the house. The girls heard knocking coming from Annie's bedroom, and when they got to her room, they saw, written in what looked like blood on the wall again, I'm back. Find me if you can. This still reads like a horror story, like a, a I'm horror I'm pretty movie. sure it was used as inspiration for some horror It movies. had to be, because this is so terrifying and yep. just, like, yep. so unnerving. Yep. <sighs> so creepy again the girls run to the neighbor's house and they called their dad up and told him that he had to get home from work so he left work early and he's pretty pissed off because he had to leave work early come see this thing and you know they're still up they're still up to their antics the counseling isn't helping he's pissed he comes comes over to the neighbor's house he's like i'll show you once and for all there's nothing in this house so he marches right into the house and the, first of all, the house looked a lot more ransacked than the girls had said. Like, the girls didn't say that anything was too 
you know, misplaced, just that there was words right, on the wall. Just the writing. But I guess there yeah. was like, you know, just things turned over and on the ground. So, mm-hmm. with, so Brian then goes up to Annie's bedroom. And along with the original message on the wall, there's a new message that says, marry me. Okay, this one's just baffling. <laughs> it's just baffling. I mean, I don't know why you're baffled. I think that's the most romantic gesture to be haunted I in mean, your house and then have a bloody marry me written on the wall. <laughs> it's just such a great, great 16, 17-year-old proposal. I, mean, I can't even. It, what, a, what a great story to tell the grandkids yeah. someday. So, so your granddad, he hid <laughs> my walls and fucking... Tormented, tormented me, and, me my and my sister for months. For months. Terrorized us. But then that little, and then that sweet old man he is. He proposed to me with a bloody marry me on the uh, wall. Like, like, really, dude? What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? What uh, else is what else is the fuck is that Brian noticed an unnatural sight on the other side of the bedroom. Uh, there was a person standing on the other side, dressed in the clothes of Brian's deceased uh, wife. It's so messed up. The person also was wearing the wife's makeup on his face uh, in like a smeared fashion. So, like, disgusting clown. Just gross. And a blonde wig, which really brought the outfit together. It just makes it so much creepier. really just tied it all together. Where the fuck he got that blonde wig is not said. The wig is, like, one of the worst parts. (laughs) I don't know why. It's, It's, like, one of the worst parts. Because, number one, like, okay, you yeah, you would find the wife's clothes there, but um, they didn't say that the wife had wigs or that the... The daughters had wigs. It's like he must have brought this wig or like stolen wait. it from someone else's house. Look, wait, this just occurred to me. This just if in. she, yeah, this just in. If she died from cancer, she could have had wigs. Oh, you're right. That's that's a fair assessment. Yeah. So she yeah. probably did have wigs. Oh, that's so much worse. He like took her. Oh my god. Uh, He's the worst. He's kind of the worst at 16 god and so obviously the dad seeing that lunges at him and a struggle ensues but somehow i'm guessing he's like really greasy this guy's just so greased up he's like whoop and slipped right out of this guy's hands because he managed to escape <laughs> like a cartoon yeah. he's like whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> uh-huh. and he slipped right out like a bar oh. of soap and he seemingly vanished Speaking of soap, don't do that. So bad. Brought to you by Humblebee Herbal Soaps. I do not condone that at all. They do not use people people's grease in their soap. It is all natural. It's not a Fight Club natural. situation. Herbal ingredients. It is not a Fight Club situation. Yeah, that's awful. You have to cut that. That is terrible. Back to our featured story. When the police arrived that evening, they were able to determine that the bloody messages were, in fact, ketchup. Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, as all police officers do, they carry some French fries in their pocket. Emergency fries. Emergency fries. And what they yeah. do is they just dip it into the suspected blood. It's part of their test kit. Yeah, it's the test kit. And then they give it a good try. Ew, that's so disgusting. Like ketchup, then it's ketchup. 
So that's so disgusting. So they dipped their fry in and they stop found, it. No oh, ketchup. You took it too far. It's way too far. <laughs> I participated at first. I regret that. You took it too far. But you know what else they found? No. They found a hidden crawl space in Annie's bedroom. Oh God. In a cupboard. And when they opened it up, they found none other than Daniel LaPlante wearing the women's clothes and wig and smeary makeup curled up inside. Awful. So awful. Somehow, maybe the officers had some kind of degreaser. Just spritzed him down with, (laughs) with a degreaser and they were able to cuff him up. And they took him to juvie. So he was in juvie for about seven months. Not enough time. Not not enough enough time. time. (laughs) He obviously has like priors and he lived in someone's house for months and traumatized them. (laughs) Yes. 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 Wait, I think you left out the hatchet part. Not that I've ever heard the story before. (laughs) You know what? I did. When he was standing. Not only was he wearing a wig, but he was also holding a hatchet. In Which his takes hand. it to a whole nother level. A whole that is nother made level. of nightmares. Like that's what nightmares are made of. This creepy motherfucker in the corner with the hatchet and the wig and the makeup. Like Yeah. No. Because it's like what? He thought that he was gonna scare them as being the ghost of their mother and then murder and propose? them. Oh, propose. Like, here, I couldn't get you a ring, but this hatchet will do. It's a it's a family heirloom. It's been passed down from brides to brides. Maybe or it's, it's like if you say ring. if you say no, this is the other option. <laughs> oh, oh, marry me? No. See, okay. that's why the proposal makes absolutely no sense. <sighs> I mean, does any of it make sense? He's been living no. in their walls. Yeah, no, he's obviously delirious. <laughs> um, living off of ketchup and who knows what. Yeah, they. They were able to discover that he had, like, kind of burrowed out their walls with, like, all the insulation and stuff and was just, like, living in there. And they found, like, a sleeping bag and sodas and chips and, like, <sighs> snacks and stuff. And, and he found, they found little peepholes in every room where they, he could Ew. peep on them. Ew. Ew. But, so, yeah, he's taken to juvie, seven months, gets released, and he goes right back at it. He goes out burgling. Okay, wait, what a nightmare, though. That house is, like, they have to move. They have to move. I believe they did. Right? I think they did move after that. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. Oh, God. And then how are you going to sell that house? Uh... Comes equipped with (laughs) pre-drilled peepholes. Pre-drilled peepholes and little nooks that you can sit in and spy. Uh... After he's released, after... After rehabilitation of seven months. After he was fully rehabilitated at seven great months. Great amount of time. He's back inside mm. people's homes, burgling. He ends up stealing two twenty-two caliber handguns. Nice. Of course. And on in December of 87, he, Daniel LaPlante, broke into the home of Andrew and Priscilla Gustafson. And she was pregnant, and they also had two little kids, uh. Abigail and... And William, I think they were five and seven. So sad. Oh, yeah. Uh, Andrew wasn't home during that during the time of the invasion. He was at work. So 
there were no witnesses. We only know what we know through evidence that was left at the scene. Um, so Andrew came home from work and he found his wife Priscilla dead in the master bedroom with two gunshot wounds to the head. They were fired at close range through a pillow. And so she traumatizing. Was, yeah, and she was on the bed. And both of the children were found, each drowned in separate bathtubs. Oh my god. Yeah, one upstairs and one downstairs. I can't handle that. Oh. There was a lot of evidence found. There was semen and sperm cells near one corner of the bedspread and a portion of a condom on the floor beside the bed. So, sexual assault. In the bedroom closets, they found a knotted brown sock dampened with saliva consistent with having been used as a gag. That's so bad. And they also use, they also found seven ligatures, which were just, I guess, things that he had found because it was a necktie, a sock, stockings, and pantyhose, which had been tied. In. in the bedroom, police found a nearly full bottle of beer that apparently had been taken from the Gestapison refrigerator, which is kind of weird to me that he would, like, go to the kitchen, get a beer, open it, and not drink it. Well, maybe he was there to, like, hang out for a bit and decided he didn't like the taste of beer that day. Oh, maybe. He hadn't developed the taste for beer yet. He thought he'd give it a try. Oh, his taste buds like, hadn't oh, matured well, I'm, yet. I'm matured to murdering, so maybe my, I'll like this beer. So maybe I'll finally enjoy beer. Oh, <laughs> nope, nope. Don't like don't it too like much. Because then he ended... Just put this right Because they also ended up finding in the kitchen wastebasket, like, a bunch of porno magazine pages torn up. So gross. And the fact that they were... What a shitty person. The fact that they were torn up and thrown in the trash can is kind of weird to me. It is weird. how he doesn't, like, I don't know, why would he... Well, maybe he's just like, I'm done with these, and, like, ripped them up. I don't need these anymore to get off. I can just use this memory. Ew, stop. That's awful. I don't know. That's awful. I know, but that's what... Because, yeah, did he bring them with him? That's what I'm wondering. Were they from the house? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but the police... I don't know, that's so weird. The police were able to determine that the gun that killed Priscilla was a match to the gun reported stolen by the neighbors, the twenty two caliber. Also, three weeks after the burglaries, LaPlante's father found one of the two guns in his laundry basket. Not the dad's, in Daniel's laundry basket, so... Right. It's, a, it's quite the gun safe. Well, I mean, if clothes go there and never return, then guns could also go there and never return. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he never did his laundry. And I doubt he's washing his clothes. It probably smelled so bad over there that no one would dare look. So I'm wondering why his so dad actually was is looking. Pretty good it's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> Although good. his dad was poking around in there. I don't know. Oh, It also seemed that Daniel had broken into the Gustafsson home before the murders even took place because... Um, they reported a burglary on November 16th of that year, and someone had broken in and taken a cordless phone, table, two cable television boxes, a cable television remote control device, and coins from a Liberty Silver Dollar collection. See, okay, so that's kind of reminiscent of the East Area Rapist, or BTK, or whoever would break into people's houses and, like, leave shit. yeah. I think they both did it, yeah. and then they like break in again later. It's just like, like it's asserting your dominance, like serial, and being like, I can killer get killer behavior. Yeah, like I can come come and go as I please, and you'll never know. 
Yeah, and you're not safe in your own home. Yeah, you have no control of your own home. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And this poor couple with, like, kids were probably already terrified that someone had broken into their home mm-hmm. and, like, stolen stuff. But then they're probably like, okay, well, that's, like, the worst of it. We've had, like, the worst experience. You know, someone broke into our house and... Yeah. Yeah, no. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I can't handle it. It's so bad. And they were they were able to tell that he actually was the one that broke in because they found the cordless phone and cable boxes in his brother's tool cabinet. Yeah, and of course. he told he told his brother that he was keeping them there so that his parents didn't see them. Yeah, he wasn't the best at hiding things. <laughs> no, no. Well, he's like a kid. Uh, he is a child. He's seventeen oh. at this time. His brother also said that he saw him with silver coins that were similar to the ones reported missing. So. Connections, connections. It's called evidence. Evidence. The the semen found on the bed was a match to LaPlante. Both of them were type A secretors. There were also just a bunch of fibers that matched up. And they had some tracking dogs out, and they were able to find the gloves that he wore. And they were wet, and they had gunshot residue on them. And they were able to match the yeah, they were able to match the gunshot residue with the bullets that he used, and they think that they were wet because of the drownings. That's so sad. Yeah. But the other the other part of it is, like, you can tell this is, you know, before DNA, because he wore gloves, and he left behind, like, a bunch well, of he DNA. Well, he at least knew about fingerprints. Right. But before yeah. they could test DNA, he, like, left a bunch behind. Yeah. 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 And then while they're investigating all this, Daniel is like breaking into homes again. Great, yeah. And he great. stole a yeah, yeah. He stole a thirty-two caliber revolver. Oh, good, more guns. He needs more guns. You know, he's on the run. He needs some kind of protection. And then he entered the home of Pamela Michaela at gunpoint and told her, he told her to get in her van and drive him to some other town. And she was able to jump out of the van, and then he just continued driving on. Yeah, good for her. And then he was found pretty shortly after in an industrial park in a dumpster. Uh, new home? I don't know. I mean, maybe he's looking for new clothes or something. Yeah. He's like, I could hide out in here for a few he's months. He's like, oh, this is like my room. It's all greasy and dirty. I know. It's like classy. Um, and then at the police station when they were searching him they found the 32 caliber revolver hidden in his underwear gross and uh and they found like an extra 32 caliber bu- bullet inside his shoe yes he's very good at hiding things we've established yes. that yes it only took a year later for him to be sentenced to three life sentences for the murder of the Gustafsons so sad and then like your case he was he has had many appeals and in 2017 he had a resentencing hearing in Massachusetts and asking for a reduction in his sentencing and he mentioned that there was a new law that juveniles convicted of murder with extreme cruelty and atrocity to that they were allowed to ask for parole after they'd been behind bars for a minimum of 30 years but the judge was like Mm-mm. and upheld his sentence and and the psychiatrist around there told them that they didn't think he was remorseful for any of his crimes sociopath yeah it doesn't seem like he has the ability to feel empathy but let me just give you a real brief background on him 
in his early life, which is basically his entire life because he's 17. Yeah. <laughs> LaPlante lived with his mother and stepfather. He grew up in towns in Massachusetts. He suffered a traumatic childhood. Little is known in regards to the specifics because, yeah, nothing was really reported. And then also any of his early run-ins with the law were during, as he, when he was a juvenile, so they're closed reports or whatever. Right. But we do know that, well, we, yeah. Well, and when you're, like, really little, that's when you're developing empathy and, like, learning how to have empathy and sympathy and all that. And if he's being abused and no one's showing him empathy or teaching him. Yeah. Ugh. It's just awful. It's just, like, the cycle of abuse. Abuse. It's just awful. Yeah, yeah. So he was being sexually and psychologically abused by a lot of the adults. Specifically, his father, it seems, was responsible for the majority of it. He would torment him physically and emotionally and sexually on a regular basis. So you would imagine that he would struggle with schooling. (laughs) Um, And then he struggled even more in schooling because he was dyslexic. And his classmates all thought that he was just creepy and weird. It's just the perfect storm of shit for this kid. Yeah, and then in high school... he Perfect shitstorm. Perfect shitstorm. And then in high school, he was diagnosed with ADHD and was referred to a psychiatrist to help with his abnormal behavior and his lack of uh, hygiene. But as a lot of victimized people have happened, this fucking douchebag psychiatrist molested him, sexually abused him for an entire year. So disgusting. Yeah, it's fucked up. Like what like, like a piece the of one, shit that like, psychiatrist is. Like the one guy that could have maybe changed it around for him and given him a chance. The one life. adult that he yeah. should have definitely been able to trust. Yeah. Other than your parents, who you should be able to trust, but a lot of times you can't. That's like... Yep. Oh my so... god. It's just tragic all around. It, bad, bad, bad. It's really tragic. So he he was able to end his treatment after the year, and he was just kind of known as a small-time thief and burglar. He'd spend his evenings roaming around the neighborhood in Townsend area, stealing people's valuables, sneaking in. He would do weird shit just to torment people. He By the age of 15, he was breaking into people's homes and not only stealing their stuff, but he was, like, leaving behind stuff. Just basically, like, what, yeah. what he was doing with the Andrews family, moving stuff around. Like, that was – but, like, not furniture, just more subtle stuff that you wouldn't really notice right away. And then you just kind of start feeling paranoid that maybe I moved that or maybe someone's in my house. Yeah. 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 Just trying to find power in his life where he has had none. Right, like, yeah, especially he just feels completely powerless with all the adults yeah. and people in his life. And this is the one way he can control some kind of environment. It's just awful. Yeah, just, like, attention-seeking. I mean, I, I imagine he just never gotten any good attention, so yeah. any attention is good attention. Oh, God. But he is currently at the MCI, Nor- MCI Norfolk prison norfolk norf norfolk 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 he's at the mci norfolk, norfolk and currently looking for a pen pal so anyone who wants, wants to go write to him is more than welcome to you can sign up on the prison pen pal web um i got a lot of this info from masscases.com parkman.com wait how old would he be now he is so he was born in 
1970. So he's 50. 50? Yeah. Wow. All right. Still in prison. Yep. Still in prison. Still right. trying to appeal. Whoa. Still being found. Tossed salads and scrambled eggy. The tossed salad and the scrambled egg. The tossed salad, a scrambled egg. The tossed salad. The tossed salad. And the scrambled egg. A scrambled egg. Oh, so what do you think? Tossed salad or scrambled egg? Yeah. <sighs> a touch of A the... little of both. Like, he's got some... He definitely has some mental health issues, for sure. Probably a sociopath. Probably a psychopath. Yeah, I mean, he would... Uh, it's hard, like, his whole life he's just been, like abused so he's never learned how to actually interact with society yeah yeah and probably in his world you know people just use you and that's how it is like he hasn't experienced love and acceptance and all that right but then it's like you have to remember he like murdered two little innocent babies and like a poor woman and her fetus who was pregnant yeah so that's like uh, yeah, he ruined that man's life by taking out his entire family. Yeah, and plenty of people have, like, mental health issues and don't slaughter someone else's, like, little family. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah, he had, like, bad, bad, all bad, but then he also made choices that were also bad, bad, all bad. <laughs> yeah, so. but he did. it's hard to say because he didn't have an example of a good, good, way to live he was just like right. abused 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 and like the way that he could get attention is hiding in people's houses <laughs> oh it's just and all bad killing it's crazy it's crazy but <sighs> yeah i'd say he's a tossed salad with a little more of a scrambled egg than the last scrambled egg yeah i think his egg got scrambled earlier on yeah he's just a tossed salad that fell on the floor and got swept up with some of the grease and um, no one really wants to eat that. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Fuck. So, so how was it for the third time? Still gross. I still feel really still gross. gross. It's really I'm awful. i glad that I could traumatize you for a third time. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like you... It's kind of, like, desensitizing, you know, the more you yeah. hear it. But still, it's still, like, so bad. It's just so all fucked bad. Up. It's so insane. It's still bad. The first time around, I was, like, on the edge of my seat because I didn't know what was coming next. Yeah, yeah. I know. It was so good. Damn it. Um, but this time, it's just, like, so sad so and, and uh, just tragic. It's just, just tragic. Well, good thing we have crime any say. Yeah, coming up, crime any say. Crimes that make you say. Crime any say. All right. You want to hear some funny stories? Oh, God. All right. sakes. <laughs> this whole day has made me say criminy sakes. Oh, God. Okay. This story okay. is about a young man named Danny. Oh, Hollis. my God. <laughs> it's the Another day of Dan. Dan. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, 
I'm going to read this news report. Officials said Daniel Hollis was high on wasp spray dope. Excuse me? Yes. Wasp spray dope. Uh, I'm not sure. They, like, I had uh, looked it up because I was like, what in the hell? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they, like, spray wasp spray on, like, a metal screen and then heat it up until it crystallizes. Then they take those crystals and they put them in whatever they're making their dope with. So, like, meth. Meth, yeah, meth. <gasps> oh, God, that's awful. Okay. Danny Hollis was high on wasp spray dope when he walked into a home in Lawrenceburg on December 18th and told the family inside that he needed help. The family, who was making Christmas cookies at the time, had never seen Ho- had never seen Hollis before, but he was quickly helping himself to a glass of water oh, from no. their sink. <laughs> he then, allegedly, took out a knife and cut himself across the throat. What the fuck? My mom was like, you're bleeding all over our stuff. Can you not? (laughs) Said Kanan Johnson, who was home during the bizarre incident. Kanan said Danny Hollis then ran to the second floor of the family home where he proceeded to throw an oak dresser down the stairs. The falling dresser punctured a massive hole in the sheetrock above the stairs. Hollis's rampage wasn't quite done. He then... Jumped out a second floor window, what? landing on a gazebo below and severely injuring his neck. At this point, 16-year-old Kanan said the family had gotten into the car and called 911. As Hollis tried to chase the family down the street, he got stuck on a piece of barbed wire fence. According to police report, he then stripped down naked in order to free himself from the fence. Of course. Yeah, by that's the, what you do. By the time officials arrived, they found Hollis six feet off the ground in a tree, completely naked. <laughs> oh, my God. As officials tried to tase Hollis to get him out of the tree, he allegedly began throwing his own fecal matter at the officers. Oh, my God. <laughs> they say they say he didn't remember any of it. How is that possible? Kanan wondered. It was likely possible because of a dangerous new drug known as wasp spray dope. Officials in Lawrence County said drug dealers are crystallizing wasp spray, then using the crystals and mixing them in with meth. We don't know the long-term effects of it. There's there's not enough research out there. It's fairly new, but it seems to be spreading rapidly. (laughs) Uh, That's great. Yeah, Ferguson's biggest concern is that users may not know that they are getting wasp spray dope, and we'll get a dangerous high similar to the one Danny Hollis got. Well, obviously his mental state was altered. See, that's yep. the thing about meth. I was always like, yeah, meth is cool and all, but it's just not quite crazy enough. <laughs> right. Like, you know what I wish? I wish that I could just take whatever chemical they're killing wasps with and then smoke it. On Sprinkled on mm, meth. With a dash of wasp mm-hmm. spray. Who who comes up with this shit? Like, what? I just... Oh, God, it's so beyond me. <laughs> I don't know. You know, there's a lot of creative people out there in the world that just want to create. Was that the whole story? That was the whole story. He's in jail. Uh, and then I have another story about a, a break-in as well. This one is about a lovely woman named Cheyenne Ewing. Mm. All right. Rarely does a crime leave the victim's neighbors wishing it would have happened to them. What? (laughs) Cheyenne Ewing is charged with burglary, but she is not accused of stealing anything. 
A Hamden resident told deputies the suspect went into their home through a back door, uninvited, and plopped down on the couch. The neighbor said the suspect was acting very strange. Well, yeah. (laughs) Vinton County deputies say after entering the stranger's home, Ewing petted the family dog and washed the dishes. Oh, (laughs) lovely. Deputies say Ewing was knocking on doors until Omer Street or along Omer Street, when she was arrested. They say she initially gave them a false name, and she appeared to be high. <laughs> At least she's a friendly burglar, you know, <laughs> Kevin Jordan said. Jordan lives in the home next to where Ewing was arrested. She didn't get mad or anything when they cuffed her up, <laughs> Jordan said. I think that might have been the best thing to happen to her. Jordan says he's known Ewing for years. I just don't know what made her go into doing that stuff, he said. Oh, God. She's just cleaning up. Well, hopefully she gets the help that she needs. (laughs) So, according to the Tampa Bay Times. Oh, here we go. Darlin. (laughs) Here we go. Darlin Roberts Mm. was (laughs) supposed. Darlin or Darlene or Darlin. Oh, it's probably Darlene. It's it's D-E-R-L-Y-N. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Darlin Roberts. Sterling was supposed to was supposed to sign what Tampa Bay Police Chief Brian Dugan was saying about the arrest of Hallow How Howell Emmanuel Donaldson the third in the four Seminole Heights shooting deaths that began in October. However, many deaf viewers began to notice that the interpreter was not making sense. <laughs> Rachel <laughs> Rachel said Tambrino said Santembr. Satimbrino, a sign language teacher at the University of South Florida, (laughs) reported to the paper that when Dugan said his agency received 5,000 tips about the four murderers, Roberts signed something along the lines of 51 hours ago, 012-22, gibberish, murder, three minutes in 14 weeks ago, in old (laughs) gibberish, 4-5-55,000, plea 10, arrest, murder, bush, gibberish, Three, age 24. <laughs> wow. Tampa Police Department spokeswoman Janelle McGregor said that the department had not even requested an interpreter. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> it has also emerged that Roberts has a criminal record oh and, <laughs> and has gone by more than 40 aliases. Holy In fact, Duralyn Roberts is recorded as an alias, and her real name appears to be Derlin Glover. <laughs> she <laughs> she had a history of arrests and prison time for theft and fraud charges. <laughs> I was disappointed, confused, upset, and really wanted to know why the city of Tampa's chief of police, who was responsible for my safety and the safety of the entire community, did not check her out, said Umbrino said. Wait, wait, I'm so confused. She she was not so, request they didn't request that she was there. Nobody requested her. <laughs> she she just showed, showed up. That she showed up to this like <laughs> press conference that they were having and it's like the police chief and like all these cops oh on God. this stage oh and she's God. up there right next to the police chief signing. Like you can watch <laughs> this on video. It's on video. Just making all these signs. And, like, if you didn't know, you would just assume she's just, like, the, the interpreter oh up there. Because she's, God. like, signing along. And, like, it looks like she's, like, you know, when he says something, she signs. Oh, God. 
yeah and I guess like she just like walked past like as everyone was filing onto the stage she just filed on and one of the guys that had set up the event like he saw her and he was like oh thank god someone else hired the interpreter because I didn't get around to doing it (laughs) oh my god what the (laughs) hell they're waving her arms around (laughs) but like obviously she had she like learned like a few signs because she was she did say some words well like murder and arrest that seems like yeah yeah but <laughs> it was like on but scene also she she could have just been she could have gotten lucky yeah and, she like, could have you know gestured like yeah i feel like some of the something. some of the signs are like oh yeah definitely <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> So good. Darlene. 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 Wow. That was good. (laughs) Very good.